Oh, hi. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm good. It worked. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, welcome onto my podcast show. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm very well. Thank you very much. Yes. I'm just going to do a quick introduction. Sure. So anyway, listeners, hello and welcome to Ignite Your Strength podcast, Free Flow, with me, Shahrazad Mokadam. And on today's show, I'm going to be speaking with Kate Waters, who has many talents. She's a boxer, a boxing coach and a fight director, and who works on the scenes with very well-known television dramas and also in the theatre. So I'm going to be asking Kate a series of questions about how she got into her career as a fight director and how it led to boxing and the latest on the COVID-19 pandemic and how it's affected Kate and the industry that she works in. So, Kate, so the top, top question. Is what, what a lovely introduction. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, well, it's got to be about how, how did you get into boxing? Right. So how I got into boxing, I got into boxing through um, a work route. Um, as you've already said, that um, I'm a fight director which basically means that um, I choreograph fights for theatre and TV. Um, That's it, briefly. Um, And I was doing a show, I can't remember how many years ago, but it was called From Here to Eternity. um, And it was going to be in the West End. And it had quite a lot of boxing in it. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know enough to be able to pull that off realistically enough. So I took myself off to a boxing gym to do some research um and excuse the pun but I got hooked um I did some (laughs) one-to-ones and um and then I sort of put it to one side because work sort of took over and I did that show and I really enjoyed doing that show but I just kept thinking I really really did enjoy boxing and it was at a time in my life that I was trying to find something outside of work to do Mm -hmm. because um our jobs my job's quite intense and it can sort of um it can take over your world a little bit. And I wanted to find the community outside of, um, outside of my work world. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, so I, I went to a boxing gym near where I live. Um, and I just started doing it for exercise. Um, then I hit the ring 13 times doing 13 white collar fights. And, um, now I'm a amateur boxing coach and it's only five years. So it's, wow. um, yeah, so it's like it's really taken me on quite a journey from someone who was just going in to, you know, learn a learn a different learn a sport and do it for exercise and and uh, and and a different uh, to enter a different world and be part of a different kind of community. So, yeah, it's really it's been really sort of uplifting the last few years, I would say. Yeah, that's that's quite a big transition. You know, and also because of, you know, boxing is quite a male-dominated sport as well. Mm. Um, you know, you could have chosen lots of other, I don't know, some other sports. But but boxing, I, I suppose with some people, you know, every sport sits with them well. And, yeah. And, and yeah. They, they get that type of energy, you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, I come from, I've, I've always loved sport. I've always loved physical movement. Um, in, and I did come from a sort of fighting sport background um, because I did judo as a kid to a high, quite a high competitive level. I was Southern Area Girls Champion. 
Um, I wish that boxing had been available to me as a girl. I really, really do. But, you know, judo gave me this sort of set. I've always been involved in things that are basically male dominated. My work, my Mm. choice of recreation. Um, I'm not I'm not sure what that says about me, but um, I just love I just love those sports. They're so honest. Um, uh, And uh, it just really gets the root of what I enjoy doing gives me a buzz yeah I mean I know for myself and I know from like the the other women that are that surround me they tend to do more male dominated sports and they also do more male dominated jobs as well Mm. I don't know whether there is some link in that or but, but I do find it quite you know quite striking that their jobs are quite male dominated as well or they work in a in a field yeah. that is more male dominated in the field that they work in as well yeah, yeah it, it's it's it'd be quite nice to think that we get to a stage where it's not male dominated and we feel like we can just be there um and be part of it without sort of gender coming into in mm-hmm. into it you know because certainly you know um as a fight director and and especially when I entered the industry 20 years ago um there there weren't there weren't really any female fight directors so I didn't have anybody to aspire to but now as a female coach I definitely have um female coaches to aspire to like Rachel Bauer and Amanda Coulson you know these these are these are two great female coaches that 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 um that I look to as a sort of junior female coach, but as a fight director, I'm actually hoping that, you know, female fight directors um, aspire to me because, uh, because of where I am in my profession. Yeah. I mean, um, we're going to talk a bit more about your profession, you know, Mm -hmm. soon, but like, for example, um, I mean, like for your your work as a fight director and the transition into coaching. How did that all really come around? And I mean, you said you took you spoke about you did thirteen white collar fights, mm. and in a space of five years, then you became a coach. Yeah, and that is massive because it takes quite a number more than five years. Yeah, I know it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, so. <laughs> So I know that for a fact that it takes longer than five years to accomplish what you've accomplished and and to do 13 white collar fights. Wow. Yeah, I think, well, if you go back to, I've been doing my job for uh, 20 years um, and there's definitely, uh, definitely within my job, I'm guiding people and I have that ability to coach. Do you know what I mean? So there's definitely a transition there. Um, when I and when I started boxing, I didn't even have I didn't even think that I would go into the ring. Um, it the white collar fights were the only thing really available to me at the age that I found boxing. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have gone amateur, and I thought to myself to sort of stay in a sport that actually has really sort of bitten me and that I really enjoy and I love the learning of it and I love the science of it. And I love I love seeing people improve, you know, and, and get better under your guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really it's a really it's a really privileged position to be in. And um, 
Oh, I've lost my thread now. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so so after, so once I sort of decided that, um, how could I possibly stay in this sport? And so I just put myself on, I just looked into the amateur boxing side and I looked into the coaches and I didn't, the coaching courses, and I didn't have a clue about amateur boxing really. And I just put myself on the level one course, mm-hmm. really not having a clue what I was putting myself on. Um, and I went along, but I just think that my work as a fight director for 20 years it um i i can hold a room i can i've learned how to do all of those things i can adapt to situations i'm resourceful i do it every single day and it just i just transitioned quite quite um easily into the coaching side but that doesn't mean to say that i haven't got a huge amount to learn in the boxing world yeah but because I really, really do. And, you know, I feed off people all the time. Um, But that wasn't unlike when I was a fight director at the beginning. You know, I was feeding off people and learning from people, you know, constantly. And I'm a bit like that as a a coach now, because I just want to be the best I can be. Yeah. And I realise that I'm very, you know, I have it like lots of coaches, you know, they started boxing when they were really young and they did goodness knows how many amateur fights and then they went into coaching I do I don't have all of that background yeah um, I feel like a bit um bit like an imposter but I quite like being one um (laughs) in this world (laughs) I I feel like I'm stealing (laughs) I feel like I'm just stealing off people all the time yeah and I continue to train as well so as I'm training I'm still learning from people so it's, it's it's good it's, you just it's just if it's something you really want to do you just open yourself up to it don't you of course and you know doors will open mm. and and you know if it's your you know if it's your destiny it's just gonna it, you know the doors just seem to open up even easier yeah I'm, I'm def I'm definitely ambitious on the coaching side but um you know I, I would love to sort of be an England coach eventually I mean that would be you know, I and just but and just take you know girls through the sport and see them succeed. I mean, it's a really it's a really great feeling. It's yeah. not different to seeing um, you know your actors take your choreography on and then and they go on stage and fly with it. It's the same kind of um, feeling that you get inside. It's a real privilege to be able to um, guide people in that way and then watch them fly with yeah. the information that you you and the guidance you've given them mm-hmm. and I mean would you I mean how would you like to encourage more girls into sport specifically boxing you know being a coach and, yeah. and, and if so if so how how can you entice more girls in into boxing that is perceived as such a male-dominated you know sport I mean we have some fantastic female boxers yeah don't we especially you know especially really up and coming female boxers yeah well you know since what 2017 yeah you know um you know they really are they really are paving the way really um and especially you know when I was a kid I didn't even know that female you know there was such a thing as girls boxing um and that that you could do it and, um, and and there's so much that has changed, you know, within yeah. the boxing association, it has changed a lot with 
more acceptance of 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 female boxers yeah i think so i think i think that um i think the with more female coaches that's going to help um you know more girls get into the sport i also think that um uh there's a club in wimborne and he's got an amazing girls squad there absolutely amazing and he i i'm not sure how he's i know that he ran girls classes in in schools he went around and and did girls boxing classes in schools and maybe that's how he's accumulated this amazing girls squad and we're talking girls from 10 years up right um it's it's phenomenal what he's done so I think and and there's another club in Liverpool done the same diversity boxing I think they're called and I think I think it's really really encouraging and also you know I don't know if anyone would have seen the Jonas and Harper fight on on Friday night. Mm-hmm. You know that was such a great example of um, skill, technique, determination, resilience, yeah. mental toughness, yeah. and at the end of it, respect and sportspersonship. Yes, if I was a kid watching that, a girl, young girl watching that, I would think, "Wow, that." that is amazing they've gone in they've done that and yet they can be so respectful of each other I thought they were they are they were a role model for the sport on Friday night um, and it was an amazing fight as well and I think that if we can see more of that and you know you've got the likes of Katie Taylor who's done so much for boxing yeah um, and I think if we can see more of it it's going to really encourage encourage um girls into the sport and i think if they enter a gym and especially the gym uh the gyms that that i've been to that are you know dominated by boys and men we've got to give them their space in that gym yeah because otherwise they 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 you know if you're 12 or 13 and you you don't feel like you belong you're not going to stay so we have uh, to... it's quite intimidating environment yeah. i know i know i know for myself you know growing up as well going to boxing gym it was male it was just men it was just boys yes. i i think i was like the only girl there and i mean when i was younger i was quite pretty you know tomboyish anyway yeah yeah but it was even even we're not naming any names, but even some really well-known boxing gyms, yeah, um, they are still very male-dominated. And mm. although there might be a sparse full of women around, but there isn't really enough women, yeah, on 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 you know that you can actually see that make a real presence. I think and, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's up to uh, coaches, not just male, uh, male and female coaches, to make sure that if girls are entering a gym, that we really do make sure that they 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 have a space there, and they feel like they belong. Um, and I think that's where we start. We start at grassroots um, mm-hmm. with all of that. But there are some people doing some amazing things, like Amanda Coulson at, at England Boxing. You know, she started mm-hmm. the Women's Aspire Days. Yes, no, you've got ninety right. odd girls going up to Sheffield and you know having coaching from the best coaches and oh, it was just I went to a few of them and it was just wonderful seeing 
all these girls participating in the sport. That was really humbling. Um, so I really think there is a, there's definitely a future. Um, it, it, it's just, it's just going to get, it's going to take time and it's up to people like myself at the grassroots to, um, once we when we get girls into the gym and uh, try and keep them there yeah um yeah because that's that's another that's another topic you know is how having how to keep them there and you know coaches they do you know um a lot of kind of tactical things in order to try you know to keep girls in a particular sport you know that's that's you know not just boxing but with with all types of sport and and that's the real kind of struggle, um, mm. you know, by keeping girls in the sport um, and keep them coming week after week after week. Yeah. And and role models are, you know, are important, you know, yeah. positive, positive role models. And also for some girls, um, it, it's it's like ident- identifying themselves as well. You know, there's people that look like me here. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, we're talking about, you know, for diversity, yeah. inclusion. Yeah. So, you know, it's really... It's really important. It's really it's important. Really... And yeah. I I do see, as you said, you know, there are quite a lot of clubs, boxing clubs, and um, that are quite heavily involved with um, girls boxing. Mm. And I haven't really seen it in London no, I think we're we might be a little bit behind, you know. Um, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to encourage it more. <laughs> I really, yeah, really. This, would. This, this um, is, I mean, this is when, a niche that's open for you now, Kate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's my next project. Um, I mean, when I've had when I have I I've got some girls that I coach, and um, you know they're great and they're improving. You know, and sometimes the improvement is someone just coming back week after week or they've lifted their head up and they're engaging with you yeah. or they're not or they're not standing behind because you've told them you're using them to demonstrate with. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. those little things as a coach. You've just got to be aware of the whole space um, and everybody that's in that space and everybody has a place there. Um, it's, and, not, uh, and one size doesn't fit all. You know, we should be we we know we we should be looking at these people as individuals, not just a group of boxers. Yeah, um, and everybody has an individual need. And as a coach, you've got to you 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 really do have to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those have been my sort of like biggest satisfactions in my little coaching journey so far. Is when I you know I've got one girl and she she comes back week after week. She doesn't say very much. But you know, when she lifted her head up and smiled, I thought, "Wow, that's a that that I you know that was an achieve that was a great breakthrough," and um, she's turning out to be pretty good. So um, you know, hopefully, I can keep her and and um, we can go a little bit further. But we shall see. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, and that's really great to hear because that just goes to show that you know. The, the young girl you know she's she's on her journey mm. you know she's she, now she's paving 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 the way for herself yeah her own journey you I, know because I, if it does bring a lot of you know it's not just about physical activity but you know it's about you know um 
the resilience and you know um self-compassion confidence self-esteem totally um you know I'm really passionate about it because um I think that I think like all, all the sport that I've done and and how good it's been for me um as a person and how much I've learned through doing it but sometimes I really do wish that I'd had role models to mm-hmm. look up to and go oh wow um that person's doing that or the coaches I can relate to the coach in a way do you know what I mean yeah 100% uh, I mean I mean the in in the United Kingdom itself there is a very very low percentage rate of female coaches mm, very much so and um it's uh you know I had a discussion with someone the other day regarding the same problems and mm-hmm. you know and it is because you know there is lack of you know that why there is such a a big you know um gender play gap and it is because you know various reasons various reasons um but also because of lack of female coaches as well Mm. so you know girls want to feel comfortable in an environment where they feel where they can connect with another female it, it, it's just talking about things that you can talk about as well you know yeah yeah menstruation plays a big part on performance doesn't it yeah of course in yes and all that and I remember as an adult saying to a coach that you know I'm feeling a little bit under the weather today and it was like oh I don't want to hear about that and I'm like well actually you do need to hear about it because it exists mm-hmm. so you know I think that if there were you know we'd have more coaches understanding um that side of things would be really helpful for female athletes and um and a little bit more empathy um and and understanding how and when you need to push and push a female athlete and and how to work with a female athlete as well Um, oh my gosh you just you just touched on one subject that i'm quite passionate about and that is about female athletes training and training around their menstrual cycle Mm. because you know as we all know as women you know there are the days where you can't train as heavy or as high impact as other days and there is you know there has been quite a lot of scientific evidence to to suggest even starting from nutrition Mm -hmm. the run run even the run-up a week or two weeks run up yeah. before your menstruation so I mean yeah I mean you you perfect what you just said and I yeah I mean I'd love to do some more research into it as well as I get further down my boxing journey I can only relate to my own experiences you know as, as a woman and having had periods for many many years and how how it's made me feel it on, on at different times when a, if I'm working or or if I'm training but you know also in a weight um, managed sport that's that plays an issue as well because yes. uh, you know you can be a little bit heavier when you're about to uh, 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 come on do you know what I mean or yeah. you hold water and everybody's different you see that's is what I say we can't just put all the women in one room and say this is you know this is how this is what happens it, it happens differently for everybody 
Um, and so, as I said earlier on, not one size fits all. And I think there just needs to be more understanding on that side. And that's certainly something I'm really interested in, in um, going into and researching more as I, as I go further. But at mm. least at least I can have some empathy. Yeah, exactly. No, a hundred percent. Oh, I, I, I love this. I love this talk. <laughs> <laughs> now, for example, now obviously, you know, it's been, you know, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I know that during the lockdown, you did a two six challenge. Yeah. On your punch bag. Yeah. And that was to raise money for refugees. Uh, no, Refuge. Um, oh, Refuge. Okay. Yeah, it's a charity that um, supports women and children who have uh, who are victims of domestic violence. Right, okay. Yeah, so basically how it came about was, um, so, you know, obviously because of COVID-19, the, well, the marathon was cancelled mm-hmm. and um, I was just sitting on my sofa watching the news and they said it was cancelled, but they wanted people to do, take part in a 2.6 challenge so you could do sort of 2.6 of something or 26 26 of something and raise money for the charities that had been had lost out on um money because of the cancellation of the marathon right. I just sat on my sofa and I looked over to my husband and I said what could I do 26 of I suppose I could do 26 rounds on my punch bag that I'd bought and hung up in a tree um while everybody else was stockpiling on toilet rolls I was going out getting gym equipment to make sure that I was covered (laughs) um um, so and it basically and then I spoke to Ella who's one of our elite boxers and um she said I'll do it with you and it went from like the smallest idea and grew in a week and we basically that's that's Ella Harris isn't it yeah Ella Harris yeah and basically, um, we we were in our our um, respective lockdown locations, uh, me in southwest London, her in southeast London, and um, we were linked by Skype. We had to move my our router out of our flat, and um, we we did it live on Instagram, and we put it out on all of our social media and stuff, and we did twenty six uh, three minute rounds on the bag got loads of support but the most important thing is we raised two and a half thousand pounds for um refuge wow yeah so i think that's like massive if there's anything positive to come out of this this uh awful situation um that's one of the most positive things um i did during this period and also that wouldn't have been done had we not been in this situation so yeah, we did the we did twenty six rounds together. We got loads of support. I got loads of support on um, in my where I live, my community, and um, Ella did as well. And it was just a really fun event. I was pleased when the twenty six rounds were over. I have to say, <laughs> I haven't done twenty six rounds since, and I probably won't. Yeah, that's quite. You know, that's some rounds. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> At least, at least it wasn't 26 rounds in this heat <laughs> yeah that's true we were lucky with the weather it was it was nice but there was enough cloud I wouldn't I don't think I could have done 26 rounds in this heat that would have been that would have been hard but yeah it was really good and it's it we chose refuge because obviously it's supporting women and and we thought oh, as females ourselves we're just 
we're just taking on a different kind of fight here. So yeah, yeah it was a good thing to do. Really good. No, so, that's that's amazing. That's that's yeah. such a brilliant. That's and and that's an amazing amount of money to raise as well. Yeah, really yeah, generous I, of people. Yeah, I was especially really... especially in the, in in that pandemic time as well. Yeah, it, it, you know, the rise in um, domestic violence was going up because obviously everybody was in and, um, you know, you were hearing it on the news a lot and it just made sense for uh, us to raise money for that. So so we did. And um, yeah, I'm I am really proud of uh, of um, both of us really proud of what we achieved there. Mm-hmm. It's not about the 26 rounds. It's about. It's about the money we raised and the and the and the um, profile we gave it. So. Yeah, I mean, for example, um, you know how 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 has the COVID nineteen affected you personally? Because as a fight director, working on you know yeah sets and 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 it also the theatre has been heavily impacted as well. Yeah. And I know that you are kind of you've got a little activism going on uh, regarding about the theatre and the government and what have you I I really want to hear more about that okay so um like everybody will know the theatre industry and and tv really that's starting to come back a little bit but it completely shut down and um theatre uh theatre survives by people buying tickets so it's about mass gathering and and so um, and the theatre industry is made up of seventy uh, percent of them are freelancers like myself. So and we're we're uh, an amazing mix of people that that will go from people like me, choreographers, fight directors, set designers, lighting designers, sound designers, actors. Di- um, I mean, there's so many of us costume makers wig makers uh photographers this is what makes up the ecology of theater i i have carpenters scene paint scenic painters prop makers um suppliers that supply theaters with lighting and and technical equipment and the list goes on and on and on and with the closure of theaters all of our work went I had a year's worth of work. I have no work at the moment. And I haven't worked for the first time in my life. I haven't worked since March. I've got little bits coming in, but nothing like I, ha- I had. Um, and there's been no support for the majority of our freelancers. Many of, the, many of them have fallen through the gaps. So there's been no financial support. Mm-hmm. There was the SEISS support. Um, some people have benefited from that. Some people haven't. What 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 is that for some people that you know uh, that don't know? Yeah, it's the self-employed uh, income support scheme that was started because obviously they furloughed PAYE people. Yeah, but there was nothing for self-employed people, and that makes up quite a large proportion of the country. Yeah, so you couldn't just ignore them. So in the end, the government sort of had to step in, but people fell through the gaps because for various reasons and particularly in my industry you might not have earned enough money or you might have done some if you're an actor you're probably not going to be an actor all the time so you have done a bit of acting and a bit of paye job so you wouldn't have earned enough money some people might have earned just over 
some people might have made themselves limited companies. So literally, they've had no money. Um, I, I'm one of the lucky ones. I I did get support, but I'm very aware that lots of people didn't did didn't get support. But the support I've had doesn't make up for what I've lost. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so I've become part of a a group um, supporting freelancers um, uh, through through this crisis, and um, I've done a lot of work at the National Theatre. So they're sponsoring me to be part of a task force group. Um, and basically, I just go on lots and lots of meetings to find out what's going on, um, what's happening, and, and the prospect of our industry. There's going to be redundancies right across the board. And the thing is, we are a world-beating industry. This is something that we are actually really good at. We bring in more money than the Premier League. Yeah, and more people go to the theatre than they go and see football. And yet the government don't haven't quite understood the figures. And they have given us a bailout, but it's kind of it's not it's not supporting the workforce and the workforce is seventy percent freelancers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I'm really working hard. really Yeah, I'm working really hard to and the support the support can be really small, you know. Um it's just sending out weekly newsletters to people to all the nt freelancers about what's going on where we are what what the plans are having meetings with the national theater about how they can support freelancers as we move forward and also i've just been offering some boxing sessions for freelancers as well and people come along and it's just a way that they can do a bit of exercise and just have a have a space to talk really so that's kind of what I'm doing um, and I will continue to advocate and and um, go uh, and protest and all of the things that I need to do to get our industry back up and running again because if I take it from a personal point of view I've worked for 20 years to build up build up my profession and I just don't want to lose that because I really love what I do Um, and I think I speak for everybody in our industry but the one positive thing that has happened you know because the industry isn't isn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination and one thing that it has done is it's opened communication up Mm -hmm. um, and we're having a more open dialogue between organizations and freelancers so if that can continue into the future then that should be um, that will benefit the industry we will get back up on our feet but we just can't open yeah yeah i mean is there is there um some type of you know like uh you know like an association for these freelancers within the within your industry yeah we all are most of us are part of unions so they're all working really hard on our behalf i mean there are people working tirelessly on our behalf but to generate work we need our theatres open and the government aren't opening and even if we open our theatres and the audiences are social distancing then um that doesn't that the theatres won't make any money so we're kind of a victim of our own success really because there's always you know we get we get um we get uh 
funding from the Arts Council, mm-hmm. but that get you know over the years, over the last two years, it's just been cut, cut, cut. The government have cut, cut, art cut, funding. cut, yeah, yeah, like in every, every, everywhere, yeah. Um, so to survive, you have to bring an audience in. So the revenue is is eighty percent, or that's basically what uh, a theatre needs to make uh, make any money. They need to sell eighty percent of our ticket tickets. And we do it. So we, you know, we have packed houses. People want to come. The only thing I can think is there will be a thirst for it again. People will want live entertainment again. You know, that feeling of being in a space, whether it be music, theatre, uh, dance, whatever. Um, so I hope there's still, you know, I think there's still an appetite out there for it. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean... Uh, the the government they were talking about it i know uh, uh, you know a couple of months back mm. that they were they were mentioning something about like november the theater yeah. open up again i mean has that changed since or do well you know, do you, have you got any more information regarding that kate um no the, well the theaters might open up they were supposed to open for social distance performances from the 1st of August, but that's now been delayed to, I think, the 15th of August, but we still don't know whether that can definitely happen. Um, and he and Oliver Dowden, who's the uh, Minister for Digital, Cultural, Media and Sport, has a lot to cover, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, I don't know how you can be an expert in all those fields, um, but anyway... That's another story. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> um, won't won't make a decision until November. So that really does put Christmas shows are are not going to happen. Yeah. In most theatres, and Christmas shows are the lifeline for theatres. That keeps them going for the rest of the year. I really don't. It 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 it's bleak. It's it really is bleak. Um, and I, yeah, I just keep going. I keep, I keep, I keep going. Um, it's relentless. Um, it's not how I saw my year, but nobody saw their year like this. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think it's a fight worth fighting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep fighting it until until I'm back and I'm back doing what I love doing, and I'm back with the people that I want to be working with, and back with my friends and my colleagues and you know, putting shows on and, and people coming and enjoying them. No, a hundred percent. And, 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 and I, and I, I really do wish, you know, the whole industry the very best. And I just hope that, you know, they're able to, well, survive. really to, to, yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Survive and keep yeah. their heads above water. I mean, it's because... a cultural landscape of the country and it's not just the shows. It's what these it's what these buildings do for their communities, exactly. the education programs, the outreach programs, the, the you know, the development programs. There's so much that they do for their communities. It's the shows are just a, a small part of everything else. Yeah. And, um, you know, we can't lose that because it, it's so important for people's well-being yeah. um, and, and, and our cultural landscape. And, and what what about open air theatres? Now I know like Regents Park, they yeah, open air theatre. And, there... and I'm actually going because I'm actually working on that show. I know I sound like I haven't been working. Well, it's a tiny bit of work because I did that show three times for Regents Park, 
And yeah, I've, so I've been back in rehearsals and I'm going in tonight and okay. we, we get an audience in for the first time on Friday. So it's really, really exciting. And they've employed 70 freelancers, which is amazing. Um, so that's 70 people working, uh, freelancers people working. And they're, re- they're not going to, they won't, the capacity is right down. Um, but it, it's a, making a real statement, I think. And it will, and we're all, we're all under very strict guide- guidelines with the way that we work. The actors will be socially distanced. I've had to do some socially distanced fighting, which has been interesting. Um, so it, it's really exciting. And I'm very excited for Friday night when we, when audiences can, can join us. But yeah, so that, so yeah, thank you for giving that a bit of a shout. Oh yeah, I, I, I've seen a couple of your videos that you, you know, yeah. you put with, um, you know, social distancing, you know, fighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that must be really difficult. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's when just... you're, when you're, you know, when you're, yeah, when you're kind of like you're in that kind of situation. I mean, that's not yeah. the most the easy task to perform, but you just got to be resourceful and creative, and that's kind of what you can. That's what we can all do because that's the way that our brains work. Yeah, and there's always a way around it because. A lot of things about theatre is problem solving, actually. So we'll always find a way around doing it. And sometimes, actually, because the problem is there, you come up with something better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, just for our listeners, can you just name the you know, at the theatre, where it is, what time, how long it's going on for? (laughs) So it's Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, It's a great show. It's at Regent's Park um, Open Air Theatre um, and it's going on right the way through the summer, nine performances a week um, and also what they're doing now that they've just announced, they're going to put a screen in the outside the auditorium in the picnic area um, and on certain shows people can come and watch the show relayed through to, the, through to a giant screen live. And you can get a ticket for that cheaper because obviously you won't be in the auditorium. And I think it's like 20 pounds. So that's another way that we can um, invite more people into the space. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, that is really excellent. And they're they're able to, you know, thank you for sharing that, Kate, because that's, you know, that's another incentive that you are, you know, for people that might be still worried about, you know, the, you know, COVID-19. I mean, that's still, you know, you're able to go and you can still enjoy something on a large screen yeah. in open space as well. And, and, the, and, you know, obviously, you know, we're working to very strict guidelines. Um, so nothing, a stone has not been left unturned as far as um, working within COVID guidelines. We, we wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. So, yeah, it's been an interesting experience for sure. Yeah. I'm not going to forget 2020. No, no, I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to forget 2020. I'll tell you, I can assure you that. I mean, um, yeah, so many things have happened. You know, what we, you know, I mean, not just about the work and, you know, a lot of domestic abuse that's taken place, mm. you know, marriages that have broken up. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it has been a real trying time you know yeah. 2020 so I don't think anyone's going to really forget about 2020 <laughs> yeah 
And I, I just, I just, I just hope look- there isn't going to be another second lockdown. Yeah, I really hope not as well. I'm praying there won't be. You know, but I'm looking forward to the day when I can sit in an auditorium full of people watching something again. And I'm also looking forward to um, taking boxers to a tournament and cornering them again. Those are the two things that I'm really looking forward to doing. <laughs> well, t- talking about that, going back now to um, a fight director. Yeah. What made you become a fight director? Oh, yeah. We haven't spoken about that, have we? Um, so um, I trained as an actor. Yeah. And uh, when you're at college, you, um, you do stage combat classes. Um, and I think because I'd always done a lot of dancing and judo and being quite sporty, I, I just really enjoyed those classes. Um, and then the other thing that I realised was that I was, um, I, while I was, the training was, was really tough and it was sort of like survival of the fittest. These kind of trainings are not, um, they can really knock your confidence. And it certainly did with me, you know, I went in feeling really optimistic, uh, on the acting degree I did. And, uh, by the end of the first year, I had a lot of self doubt and my confidence was completely shattered. They sort of like to want to break you, but good at building you back up I don't think it's the best it's not always great teaching really that that I don't believe in that method of teaching myself but the stage combat classes was the one place where I really felt alive you know and I really felt like I belonged and I really felt that this was for me and what I was realizing as I was going through my training um, was that I I had this sort of I, I had a good outside eye, like a director, you know, I could see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought to myself, you know, well, maybe I could be a fight director. And um, yeah, I, I, I started to pursue it when, when, when I was in my second year, actually. And I was like, how do you be a fight director? So I just phoned up Equity and said, I want to be a fight director. How do I do that? And then they put me in touch with someone, um, the equity register of fight directors which i'm on now wasn't you know then they it can only really be described as a sort of old gents club and it wasn't really very welcome to newcomers because mm-hmm. they're protecting their own territory do you know what i mean right okay it's very competitive um but i was just i was just sort of so determined to do it that i got everything that i needed to get to you know fencing qualifications you know i already had my judo um martial art qualification you know I, I I did it all I did everything that I needed to do and um and I just kept knocking on the door until it was they just couldn't ignore me anymore um and I just got myself on that equity register of fight directors and then I just started um working my you know working um as a fight director and starting in regional theater grassroots theater starting in regional theaters right the way around the country mm-hmm. And, um, you know, doing everything from, you know, choreographing sword fights to punch-ups to everything. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, as my career progressed, I progressed up the, um, up the chain, I guess, to working in the West End and on TV and at the National Theatre, the RSC, working with directors and actors that I would never even thought for one moment I would be in the mix with so 
Yeah, and I come from a real humble background as well. I come from a single parent family. I come from a small town. I wasn't brought up in London. I come from a small town, come from very working class roots. And um, I didn't have access to theatre. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that that's amazing. And I'm so glad that you just kept on knocking on the door until mm. you got yourself on that register. And, you know, especially, you know, you know, because it must be a very cliquey, um, mm-hmm. you know, the whole environment, the whole industry must be very cliquey. Yeah, it's not supportive. Do you know what I mean? The fight mm. directors aren't supportive. They're competitive. Right. Um, so I don't have a, you know, a buddy group of fight directors. And I think that's when when I found boxing, I suddenly found like a buddy group. Yeah. <laughs> because my my world is so transient. I'm in and out of rehearsals, you know, and I get very close to people when I'm working with them. But then when that shows up and running, I, I move on. So it becomes a very transient lifestyle. And I think I needed something that was um, a little bit more fixed for me um, because and and that's why I think the boxing community just happened to be boxing. But I was looking for a community that I could feel part of um, because I feel part of the theatre community, but I only feel part of it for a certain amount of time because then I move on. Yeah. And in work, you invest so much of yourself into it over such a short period of time. It's so intense. And then you, and then, and then that's gone and you move on. So, yeah, it's yeah. been, uh... I mean, um, like, I know, I know you, you, you train at Miguel's boxing mm. gym. We've got, we've got to mention Miguel's boxing gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you do your coaching, the girls boxing coaching? Do you do it there or do you do it yeah, I do. Else? So no, you... I do it. I do it there. I do. I work. I work with the amateurs there. Yeah, and I've been doing it for a year now, and it's been really. Um, the coaches there, I have to say, have been brilliant. They've been really welcoming and really helpful to me. Um, and Chris, one of the coaches there, Chris Lodge, he's a, he's an England coach, and um, you know he's done so much. He's got so much experience, and he's given me so many opportunities. And I did my, you know, I. I went to um, Golden Girls in Sweden. That was the last tournament we did before the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I did my first, you know, I did my first corner, um, you know, actually getting in and speaking, you know, being with the boxer. And I did it for Ali, um, who's been at Miguel's for a long, long time. And she's she's on the, uh, she's in, she's an England boxer. And it was just a wonderful experience. I just, I, I, I just loved it. And Chris was handing up to me. Um, so yeah, I did my first corner at an international female tournament. That's pretty cool, that's actually. That's really, that's excellent. Yeah. And and the girls got a. I'd worked on getting the girls a kit because they didn't have a kit that had fitted them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Their shape and all of that. You see, these are the little things that if you're you know you only notice because you're a woman and you're like well why hasn't why haven't they got a kit yeah and you know a small man's is not going to fit um uh, Ali or Ella they're tiny so yeah I worked on getting them a kit and so it felt really good so Ali was the first one to wear it she's been she'd done 35 fights for for Miguel's and so she was the first one to wear it um I it was my first corner and um, I had I had sort of worked on getting the kit for them with Miguel. So yeah, it was all uh, 
it all felt right. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. And I mean, you know, talking about boxing kit, now, you know, I know that there is a company um, mm-hmm. who specifically mm-hmm. do boxing kits that is specifically aimed for women. Yeah. And, you know, for their boxing gloves and, you know. Are we talking about the same company here? We're talking about unorthodox. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to give them a big shout. We yeah. have to give them a big I shout. I love then. their gloves. I've, had, I've got their gloves. Um, I've, I've been a massive advocate of them. Their gloves are brilliant. You know, I'm small. Um, and, you know, they my hands stay in those gloves and not swimming around the um fit me around the wrist I think they're just a brilliant company, company um, yeah. and they've really have given a lot of thought totally you know, and yeah. whereas you know that's another thing as well you know about girls going into you know a, a, a boxing club boxing gym and you know getting gloves and you know it's not really thought of no no absolutely not yeah and they've given a lot of thought into into their into their design how they're designed um they're not just flung together they're really really good gloves and you know they're starting to you know they're doing head guards and uh, groin guards as well now yeah, yeah. and i'm just waiting for their pads actually they're they're prototyping some pads um which i think will be great for my little hands as a coach so um i'm waiting for them to come out but yeah i think they're great and they've they've um that, you know, they championed um, the the two point six rounds for refuge. We called it as well. So, you know, because I was we-, we were both wearing unorthodox gloves actually as well when we did that challenge. Right. So yeah, they're brilliant. And isn't that isn't that great that they are working for you know they're they're, they're a company they and they're working for female boxers. I think it's just brilliant that we've got we've got a company like that. Of course, especially in this country. Yeah, it's something that we needed. Yeah, leading the way again. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, um, let me see what I was going to ask you. I, I've I've lost my thread now as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Now it was about um, your coaching, your boxing coaching that you. That, what tell me so that you know, listeners can hear. What days do you do the the girls' boxing and the times and what? Um, Right, so um, it it's on uh, at Miguel's. It's junior and it's mixed, and it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at five five thirty till six thirty. But I have to say, at the moment, I'm not there, and it's really because um, I have to adhere to such strict guidelines when I am in work, and I've got little bits of little bits of work trickling in. Um, I can't put myself in a position where I'm with, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just have to be really careful um, because I work in, I've got little bits of TV work and we're under stru- such strict guidelines. Um, so I just have to, I have to be careful and sort of shield my, not, I'm not shielding, but I just have to be careful where, where I'm mixing basically. Right. Okay. But I, I hope to be back um be back soon okay and what tv programs have you like worked on kate Uh, well there's one really famous one that everybody will know and i do a lot of work on coronation street so 
that's the one. <laughs> that's the number one baby. Yeah, that's the one ba- number one baby, and Emma Dale and Holly Oates. Yeah, that's kind of really been my uh, my sort of staple. But Coronation Street is like my yeah has been my staple, and they've they've gone back to filming, and we're doing everything socially distanced. So I'm not really back in doing full on fights, but I'm back in doing, um, you know, like full actors falling or destroying a set. All of that has to be um, uh, looked after as well by someone like me. Um, And yeah, because of the money that's involved in a programme like that, I have to just make they don't even really want you to travel on public transport if you can help it to get to the studio. So that's how. How, how strict it is yeah yeah and I just think it's um you know I've got to protect myself and I've got to protect my colleagues so I'm just I'm really not mixing that much at all with people <laughs> right how 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 because you're quite normally a very busy person you know before this you know the yeah. lockdown and covid and obviously, you know, with your training and coaching mm. and, you know, as a fight director and, you know, because of I know, obviously, when you're when you're on the Coronation Street set, then you're having to travel from London to mm-hmm. Manchester and yeah, all these, you know, busy life. How yeah. do you balance it all and how how do you cope? Well, I, uh, I, it was, it's hard. You know, you just got to get good at scheduling um and balance I wasn't very good at it first balancing my diary and sort of um making sure that I had space for myself you know I just accepted everything and did everything but now I've got as I've got older I sort of set boundaries for myself and say right okay I'm not going to work the weekend this is you know Saturday and Sunday are my days do you know what I mean whatever I want to do whether I choose to train or I don't choose to train that's up to me um but yeah, I've just got better at scheduling my diary better, really. Um, but it is it is tough because, you know, you're, you, I could have like a couple of theatre shows running at the same time. Plus, I might and then I could be going up to Manchester a day or two days a week. Um, and then I've got and then I try to fit the coaching in as well. But, you know, with the coaching, it's voluntary. So um, if I can't make it, then there are other coaches that can do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, it's um but you know I do try my hardest to get there and 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 fulfill that um fulfill it um but you know sometimes it's just not possible because I have to earn a living as well so of course uh, and the other coach there's plenty of other coaches there so it's pretty good setup so brilliant anyway if there was one thing that you wish that you had known starting out that you know now what would it be what would it be and how would you you how would you change it if you would change it um I think the thing that I I think the thing that I say to myself my younger self is that um not not to take it too seriously do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. just go with the flow a little bit more And I think you learn that as you get more experience. So I'm not sure that I would um, change it because I'm kind of, I think I needed all of that energy and all of that drive. And I I still have that, but I think now I'm just calmer about it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thing is, the one thing that I would say to myself is that you don't always have to be, you don't have to always have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. I think I used to feel like, oh my God, I'm about to go into this room and I'm not sure what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. I'm so much more relaxed about all of that now. I just, I just, I don't have to have all the answers. And that's the best bit because the answers get, uh, the questions get answered as you start creating. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not putting pressure on yourself straight away, uh, putting pressure on yourself to, and expect yourself to know everything. You can't. Yeah. I mean, do you see more younger females going into becoming fight directors? Um, there's definitely some coming through, yeah, and they do get in touch with me um, and I've had them come in and shadow me and stuff. Um, but it is tough. Um, you, you, you've got to... You've, you've got to grit your teeth and uh, graft at it. it it takes a lot of work um so but yeah i would love to see i would love to see that grow um i would love also to see us be more collaborative um as a group of people as a community uh, fight directors in general um because certainly what i've seen during covid i see designers coming together and working together and yet fight directors just don't seem to you know reach out to one another and i'm not sure what why that is but maybe i should start doing that myself and then maybe i can start something off start yeah definitely yeah start something off and you know and and have a more of a, a community yeah based approach about it yeah and then actually that might encourage other people and encourage encourage both genders but encourage maybe more younger women to get into fight directing the role yeah yeah Yeah. it's a lonely old role you know you know I I sort of way that I you know you are on your own you're like a like one person army really you've got to be incredibly resilient and resourceful it's not unlike boxing. Maybe that's why I like boxing so much. <laughs> yeah, because boxing is a very lonely sport. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of people underestimate boxing. I mean, it is a very lonely sport. You're training alone. You know, you're going out for your jogging alone. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you, 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 it, it's mostly by yourself. And mm-hmm. yeah, you might have a coach, mm. but it's still a very lonely sport. It is yeah and and you and you get stuck in your own thoughts about it as well i mean especially when you're i'm sure that you know the elite the elite athletes um uh, you know even the boxing i did at this the level i was at which was nothing in comparison to what um what these elite guys are doing um i even got sort of you know it, you get really caught up in it um it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting headspace to be in uh, for yeah, sure for sure yeah and it was so lovely talking to you yeah, and I'm you. I, so many times I missed you at McGill's gym yeah like, you know you were there going there training earlier or yeah I was going there later so I mean I'm you know yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe one day I'll pass across I really hope so because I've been we've been following each other for a while on social media and stuff yeah since so, yeah. 2017 is it <laughs> Is yeah. It? yeah, I'm always impressed with uh, the stuff that you put up and um, uh, 
and the things that you do I always find it really interesting so um yeah it's just women supporting women isn't it really of course yeah and this this is what this platform this podcast podcast is all about you know it's a platform for women that are in sports and the fitness industry and it's you know it's a platform for them to be able to share their journey yes and 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 you know the barriers that they've overcome basically you know within the industry itself or within sport yeah so you know I mean we have kind of like the same type of barriers but they're just different circumstances as well so yeah it's really interesting and lovely to hear yeah you know your story and you know all the other women that I've heard their stories and it's great, isn't it? It's like building a little community community of people that are open to speak about their journeys, really. And and if it if it inspires one one person um, to get into boxing or to get into fight direction or drop me a line, do you know what I mean? You feel like okay, that's 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 a good thing done. Oh, that's lovely, lovely. Yeah. Anyway, Kate, thank yeah. you so much. And you are yeah. so welcome. I hope to meet with you soon yeah you will you will (laughs) (laughs) take care (laughs) thank you so much kate take care now take care bye-bye bye-bye